Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of The Crime and Coffee Couple. My name's Allison. And I'm Mike. And we're glad to have you here. Sure are. I agree with that. I agree with that statement. And Mike, I'm glad to have you here. Thanks, Beb. It's uh, always a pleasure. You know, we are together pretty much um, all day, every day that you're not working. So I work from home. So anytime that you're here, I'm here. Do you feel suffocated by me? Uh, once in a while. If we're going to be honest, you know, sometimes I like to just kind of sneak out. And uh, like yesterday, I got to go on a little field trip, um, you know, went to the dump to dump out some garbage. You know, you're fun. desperate to escape your wife when you choose to take an outing to the dump. Yeah. Well, it's actually kind of fun. It's very, you've never done it with me, have you? I have once. Okay. It's, um, it's kind of local. It's like 20 minutes away. And like we can, you know, when you have just like the average garbage or you know garage stuff that's piling up and well bigger items that can't go with your garbage yeah you know yeah it's nice just to be able to have that option i mean we pay it in our taxes so they let us drop it off for like free a quote unquote um but yeah it's nice just be able to go there like uh we bring our son there sometimes he loves to throw in like glass because it just shatters all over the place and uh throw like metal like big pieces of like just an old bed or something like that just kind of throw it up there it's kind of fun well, we got a new rug. So if you have a huge rug in your house, obviously you can't launder it. And if you have pets, that can be a problem. So um, after watching our chihuahua who sadly passed away, just like urinate all over the rug. And then our other dog got the stomach bug and was, you know, vomiting green bile all over our rug. I'm like, it's time to invest in one of those ruggable rugs that Which, you can... You know, you talk to me like I know what those are. You're like, we, should, we need a ruggable. Like, <laughs> You're like, I don't know what Is the that hell. a rug? I mean, it's not, it has the word rug in it. It's funny because if I say that to one of my girlfriends, they're like, oh yeah, I want one too. <laughs> a lot of girls seem to know what this ruggable is. Oh yeah, because... And now I know because we have one. But. If you live in a house with pets, you know that there's accidents involved. So this one makes perfect sense. And to me, I will never buy like obviously my small throw rugs i can just go to target and get cheapies they fit in my washing machine we're talking about an area rug in my living room or family room where it doesn't normally fit but this is just practical if you have pets if you have children this way every so often you can just bundle it up and it fits in any standard washing machine it makes your life easier yes. i mean you know you're not have to worry about stuff well and you know it's clean i mean i'm sorry our lives easier it's not like you know you're the rug person in our, our house or anything yeah i do live here as well and uh, also invest in our rugs welcome to my home mike hey thank you it's nice to be here yeah and i've been on an organizational kick too yeah you have which tends to be the case at the beginning of the year most years i like to just like start the year fresh mm -hmm. you know not, not only just on my house but like my body like sleeping working out eating well that sort of thing but home you know i want a nice space yeah and you do a good job so i bought a book that i saw our friend jasa on instagram had been reading so i looked into it and i'm like oh this is right up my alley it's called minimalista by shira gill oh you remembered i yes, wrote it down just in case. i did i remembered and i'm reading it and you know, of course, you hop on Amazon to buy a few items to like help your life be easier. I, I purchased two things at yeah, 7 got, p.m. Yep. last night. And by 7 a.m. this morning, they were sitting on our doorstep. I was going to tell you, a couple of Amazon people delivered them separately. And um, yeah, they're sitting on our kitchen counter right that now. That is quick. Yeah. So it's a, it looks like some kind of a box thing and then some kind of a, a blanket. It new, feels dish, like. new dish towels. Oh, okay. Yeah, which we were desperate need of. Oh, that's exciting. So anyway, I'm trying. But so the book focuses on that you don't have to make it like an insurmountable 
simple task because it can feel like that. You know, you think about all the spaces in your home and you're like, oh my gosh, it's going to take me forever to organize. Especially for somebody like me who's a procrastinator. I read about procrastinating last night and they're, they're, they say you like make such a big deal out of something that you're either one, too scared to do it or two, like just like too lazy kind of thing. So it's like... Well, it's hard to actually flip that switch and like dive in. And you're not a procrastinator, so... I'm not, it's easier but sometimes it can feel daunting. Yeah. So she puts it in just 15 minutes. Just put in... Set your timer on your phone. Just put in 15 minutes. Tackle one thing. So like yesterday, I was reading that and I'm like, it's been bugging me. I want to... Um, organize our kids craft drawers and literally in about 20 minutes i finished those craft drawers yeah you nailed it so it's just looking at one micro task that's what she calls them yeah exactly one drawer i organized my sock drawer today and that's an accomplishment And it's really kind of amazing how quickly it like snowballs in a good way because you can do like the little goals really kind of fire off your your brain like gives you those dopamine hits where you're right. like oh i did it i did it and then you can keep on going yes and it spirals and the point is it's kind of like going to the gym you can say i'm just going to go to the gym for 30 minutes once it's the going that's the hard part it's the starting right once you start you tend to go far longer than you even set out to they do. say you don't even have to work out just go just, just go like, just go there and be in the parking and then you're in the parking lot you're like well i might as well work out i'm here <laughs> yeah so like with us we have a tonal at our house and it's just walking up to the machine and touching it yeah that's the play hit that, the play button it. you're good just stop thinking Actually, about it and just touch it not even play hitting your profile picture yeah and then you're like once you're in yeah you, like you said you said it a good way just touching it just and go. touch the screen and you know it's it's the starting that's develop the that part. habit yeah yeah i'm with you so that's what i've been focusing on just basically full picture wellness not mm-hmm. just body but also home because we do we spend a lot of time at our home obviously we're still in a pandemic and you know it's, make it the best you can exactly you want to come home and be like ah like right. we were watching uh wizard of oz yesterday and i truly believe in that there's no place like home right you know that saying i, I kind of hate that movie well it's kind of our weird. friend was like because uh, we were letting our, our our uh daughter's friend watch it with her and she's like oh wow you guys put that on for them and no they happen to be watching some youtube thing where they're learning about all the different you know crazy things that happened during filming yeah but um i was like yeah I, I hate that movie i don't even know like where they found it it's weird yeah you know yeah and then you hear all the bad things and it's like eh, and that well. witch like <laughs> like that's i was like laying on the couch i'll you my pretty <laughs> and your little dog too <laughs> yeah so anyway, that's what I've been doing. Yeah, let's talk, I, I've been talking a lot yeah, about yeah. myself. No, let's talk more about you. Um, I was just going to say, you have a very nice t-shirt. Um, I do. Yeah, let's talk about this a little bit. Um, if I can get this YouTube video up ever, we'll find out. Yeah, we'll having, see. I've been having some struggles with that audio video. But anyways. You're doing a good job though, Mike. Thanks. I'm trying. trying my best. But you have a really cute shirt I'm going to put on Instagram too. Uh, Crime and Coffee 2. Carmen Coffee number two on Instagram and Twitter. And um, it's kind of like a Dio, Dio de los Muertos kind of thing going on. Yeah, it um, has that vibe. But she's also like a mermaid and uh, it's pretty. So we met this artist at a, th- a place in John's Pass in St. Petersburg, Florida. Madeira Beach, Madeira actually. Madeira Beach, Florida. Okay. And we met this artist and it was a really cool looking kind of skull thing. And you were like, that'd be good for a podcast. So we went in there met the artist and she's pretty cool. Well, it was kind of, you know, it's it's a pricier t-shirt. It was $35, but it's super cool. And not only is the, the design cool, but the shirt itself i love the cuts yeah and, and she, she does a great job and you were like if it's 
um, original art. That's exactly what I was about to say. So yeah. it's just like if it's original artist, this is going towards her pocket. So let's help her out. 35 bucks isn't a big deal. Yeah. And she was a cool lady. And her name's Ma- Migdalia Pace. So M-I-G-D-A-L-I-A Pace. So I'll, I'll post some. Uh, I'll, I'll tag her on Instagram too. Yeah. And if if you like skeleton designs, seriously, take a look at this because super it's, it's like a super soft t-shirt. It's just it's exactly what I would have chosen. Yeah, it's cool. And she was a super cool lady. So I love to support, you know, small business. She didn't give us any money for this. Actually, we gave, we gave her money. For we this. gave her our money. <laughs> so I don't know how smart that is. But hey, you know how it is when you like something, you want to just scream it from the rooftops. You do. Yeah. Or yeah. on your podcast or on the podcast. Uh, if we could talk about me for like 30 seconds. Yeah, sure. Mike, okay, so I'll I, give you 30 seconds. Start now. Yeah, I've been watching uh, the Righteous Gemstones on um, HBO Max. My friend suggested it. It's uh, it, it's a little raunchy. It's like a a um, Christian it's got John Goodman in it. Um, the guy from Eastbound and Down, like it's a it's a comedy, and uh, it's it's pretty funny. It kind of makes fun of the whole like church, uh, super church thing. Um, like the big guys, yeah, yeah, the big the ones. money makers, yeah, with Tammy Faye Baker and like all those ones that were like you know funnel money and just like are, yeah, you know, making a mockery of Jesus basically. But um, yeah, so if you're a super Christian, probably wouldn't be that funny to you, but um, maybe it will be. Who maybe knows? it would if be if you have a good sense of humor. It might be, yeah. Uh, but it's uh, it's kind of raunchy. It's like you know one of the main people gets caught in this like really sexual thing like with drugs and stuff, and, and he's kinda, a church leader. He's like the son of the church leader, okay. so it's going to look really bad. And it kind of like spirals from there. Uh-huh. So it's, well, uh, I mean, I'm sure these things happen it does oh absolutely so it's uh, you know not based on a true story necessarily but um something yeah. something to watch so if you're looking for a funny um irreverent comedy hbo max righteous gemstones thanks mike yeah i'm yeah. still watching you yeah. for, on netflix you are you like uh binge that last night a little well because i don't normally have quiet time like just by myself and you QT. went to the movies and our daughter was you know having a sleepover so she was doing her thing so i'm like i'm gonna go lay in bed and watch you yeah and i like had to stop on a cliffhanger because i'm like oh i have to go to bed because we do this podcast early in the morning we do it and you know i just gotta look so beautiful for it now that we're on video you look gorgeous um which i appreciate because you used to look like absolute homeless homely you know all the h's yeah all the h's nailed all the h's yeah so um i gotta get back to that today and figure out what what happened nice nice anyway and thank you my coffee today is extra delicious because you brewed it oh and you always like that like go ahead and take a sip the best tasting coffee is the one that i didn't have to make right it's it's like such a special thing to me because i wake up so early in the morning nobody's up right so i always make my own coffee well to be fair last night you did say mike i really want you to be part of tomorrow morning like you're kind of i'm kind of like one of your children you're like okay um, i have to set the expectations yeah i really am looking well because that's where you get really mad especially right now we've we're in a certain special part of the month where things are extra tight and you know interesting <laughs> you said you might move out for the for the day I was, gonna, I was thinking about getting a little apartment with the sun just be like let's <laughs> just have a bro pad for like three days like three days everything will be good i think i was kind of raging yesterday uh yesterday and the day before and the day before that i think it's been like five days i'm not uh, in, in mind not you joking. people he exaggerates no when he says when i say i'm raging it might be a 30 second period of the day that i'm like oh gosh why didn't you do this or whatever i agree i'm sure many women are worse but i'm not comparing other women i'm just looking at my your your wife and your situation but the thing that i got raged on was that i had asked you to pick up starbucks because you were kind of near one that's neither here nor there i'm not going to debate that you didn't get the text that's not your fault i wasn't mad about that at all. i was helping my son's team my baseball team and we were talking about baseball practice afterwards so i didn't look Mm -hmm. at my phone right away being like oh yeah and that wasn't the problem but i had texted you and i said hey can you 
can you pick up Starbucks for the girls and I will also take a nitro brew. Right. And then you came home and you're like, oh, I didn't go. I'm like, okay, that's all right. I'll just go. I'm like, can you just place the order? Yeah. You place the order. Our daughter went in to get it, comes out. I have no... I have no coffee. To be fair, I took the order from every individual. I said, Reese, what did you want? And Taylor, what do you want? And Bill, what do you want? And then I, our son, he also said what he wanted. So I put all I the I texted people, you my order. But I didn't read that text. I just said, yeah, you I couldn't go to son Starbucks. Son of a bitch. Can you go to Starbucks? I stopped reading. I'm like, no, I can't. So I replied. Saboteur. Right. So, I, so I understand. See, from my angle, I understand why you'd be angry and whatever. But it can, and you should also understand from mine that I didn't read the whole thing. Yeah, so. it's fine. Yeah. I got over it. I okay. raged initially. I tossed my phone in the car. I was like, ugh. Reese, you did come up to me, our daughter. She said, you should apologize to mommy for not remembering. I'm like, you know what? I already did, but I'll do it again. She I'm was so sweet, one. though. She's like, mommy, I'm so sorry. I'm so I'm like, honey, it's not your fault. We're all it's very, your father's fault. Yeah, we're very afraid of you. He doesn't care about mommy. No. Yeah, they, I don't care about you. <laughs> I'm, kidding, I'm kidding. And, well, I'm kidding. I kid. I kid. And you'll and make behold, it up today. You'll go to Starbucks for me today. Yeah, I'm going today. So that's nice. <laughs> Lo and behold, what, Mike? I just was going to say that same thing. Okay, good. Yes. So good. Um, we're going to, yeah, I'm looking forward to hearing what you got to talk about this week uh, oh and if you're uh, listening on um, apple podcast give us a five-star review please we really appreciate it we're exploding in growth like it's awesome right now we appreciate every single last one of you so that's agreed really nice. and also any kind of suggestions you guys have about a case we also appreciate this story actually happens to be a suggestion um by our loyal listener kelly so kelly thank you so much and actually mike you're if you're seeing this on video you're wearing the t-shirt that oh yeah, kelly yeah. Got it says you. podcast host in case i ever forget and i'm using the coffee cup kelly oh, got us very nice very nice um so, so yeah we'll take any suggestions certain suggestions i just can't bring myself to do um like anything that's like absolutely um you know against children in a very horrible way i i just can't do like the sylvia likens case i did that was really really tough for me i had to actually pause it because i was sobbing if you want to hear a podcast host cry go back to sylvia likens it's really really sad story but um, brutalizing children is yeah. just it's it's something i just can't handle it's the lowest of the low like sometimes yeah. you can almost understand like a rage killing or you know husbands and wives obviously we can understand that well um, um after okay, we talk about obviously. this ra- obviously yeah it's never okay to murder I'm, somebody in jest I'm but the innocence jest. of a child or even like animals that's how we like they're just so innocent right they're like infants right you know i just i can't i can't do those cases yeah. and i'm sorry i'm moving this during our video yeah here, but really professional there mike <laughs> mm, some of us like to be prepared ahead of time we're not professional i'm i am not professional you are so i'm not I, professional this be either better. okay we're all just that. learning as we go we're all just doing the best we can exactly so i'm gonna dive right in and thank you again kelly for suggesting the story which actually was very great timing because I like to do stories based on what's happening. Like Valentine's Day is what, two weeks ago? February 14th. Where am I? I don't even know what date it is. Today is none other than February 6th. Okay, so next week. Um, So this story actually takes place on Valentine's Day in the year 2000 in Shelby, North Carolina. It's the story of a family who tucked their nine-year-old daughter into bed, and the next morning she found that she had vanished and was never seen again. Hmm. And this story is very close to my heart because we have a 10-year-old daughter, and this child is also in fourth grade just as our daughter is. Okay. So it was very relatable and just scary to think that this could happen to a normal family. It's like, that's the reason, like, anybody listens to true crime stories and podcasts and stuff, it's like, you're you're always looking around just thinking something's going to happen to you. Yeah, and especially if you're a warrior like I am, I'm always, like, I try not to spiral 
in like the worst case scenarios. I just, I'm such a warrior, especially when it comes to our kids, but you can't live your life in complete fear because none of us can anticipate some of these things. This family could have never anticipated that this was going to happen. Right. Let's hear about it. So, um, Asia Jaquilla, Jaquilla degree was born on August 5th, 1990 to mom, Iquilla and dad, Harold. Iquilla and Harold got married on Valentine's day. So, um, they were married in 1988. So this, year that the story takes place they would have been celebrating their 12th anniversary mm-hmm. so um they had a child named o'brien that was um asia's brother um he was born in 1989 and the following year their daughter asia was born the family lived in a rented duplex on Oakcrest drive in a subdivision it wasn't really a subdivision as much as like a quiet street in a rural area north of shelby north carolina on the edge of charlotte so okay. just to give you kind of a picture of where that was okay. um asia was in fourth grade at falston elementary school she loved science and math and she was often named student of the week so she was a very good student kind of like our girl exactly our daughter actually on friday was given an award stallion of the quarter or something like that she's just such a good student so actually this this child did remind us of our daughter reese she this little girl was very athletic she played both basketball and softball when she grew up, she wanted to be an author and an illustrator, and she also wanted to study science at Winston-Salem University. Oh, that's pretty exact. Very specific yep. for a nine-year-old. I thought that was precious. Asia was very close with her 10-year-old brother, O'Brien. The two would come home from school. They were latchkey kids. They would let themselves in and stay close to home doing their homework while you their parents that term? worked. Like, I, they, we don't say that anymore. No, but. we don't. But I was a latchkey kid. Actually, I was too. I starting key, in like, fourth grade. Hooked on my uh, backpack and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So did Asia. She had hers like in her backpack right there. Um, but yeah, I started to be home alone in fourth grade just for a short period of time. Um, so Harold, the father, he worked second shift as a dock loader in Shelby and Iquila worked as a piano factory at a piano factory in a nearby town. So during the week, Iquila would wake the kids at 630 in the morning before she left for work. The kids were very independent, you know, for only being like nine and 10 years old. They would get themselves ready. Um, they would eat breakfast and then catch the bus to school on their own. And the way that the street was set up, I, I bet you the bus probably just met them right out front in their house. Probably a rural area. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Instead of the subdivisions we have these days where all the kids gather together and they're like blocks from their school. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know how kids can just be forced to be independent because they have to be? Yeah. Like the kids can do a lot. It's just a matter of enabling them to do so. Exactly. Yeah. And you can also enable them to do nothing by giving them everything and then right. they expect hey mom where's this well, how do i do this can you wipe my butt and it's like you're 17 years old you can wipe your own <laughs> i butt. will not wipe your butt 17 right. year old similar to you like you were very you know independent very independent as a child but i mean i do that for our children like try to make them independent because you can't do everything for them at some point in time they're going to go off into the world and need to be independent. Yeah. So like our son, especially he'll be like, mom, can you run and get me that? Blah, blah. I'm like, you just came from there. It's like, yes, I'll do a favor. Of course. But you have to learn to think ahead and not just assume your mom or dad is just going to take care of it for and you. And teenagers, if you're listening to this, um, the reason your mom and dad let you, make you do more things is because they want you to be ready for real life. And exactly. it sucks, but it's also a good thing. So yeah. just do the stuff. And if you have trouble figuring it out, ask your parents. Learning lessons. Correct. So the children were raised to be centered around their extended family, church, and school. Harold and Aquila, um, they tried to shield them from the outside influences. Obviously, 
you know, the outside world can be a very scary place. We all listen to the news and see that. Uh, the outside world's generally a very good place. So it, I don't necessarily subscribe to that idea. Right. Although, um, but it the sounds news like, highlights were the they, bad. Were they uh, like African American? Yes. Okay. So I can see being in the South, you know, it, you, there's there's racism everywhere and it freaking sucks. So I can't even begin to understand what people that are any color, people of color, are going through. So And they didn't say they were going through no. any kind of racism. But, but like, obviously, but, that's a thing. Correct. That's a thing. So. A very big thing. Yeah. To be aware of it. Yes, absolutely. But they didn't even own a computer because Aquila felt that every time you turned on the TV, there was some pedophile who tried to lure somebody's child away via the internet. Hmm. And the internet is a very scary place for parents. Here's the thing. If you watch the news every day, the world's a terrible place. Yeah. But looking at a big picture, I was reading this on Twitter. The world's actually pretty good. It's like some of the best world that we've ever had. I know there's also, you know, definitely problems with like, you know, global warming and, and things of that nature. Obviously, coronavirus, but... W- Generally, the world is pretty good. And people are good. Yes, people are good. 99% of people are good people. But we focus on the the scary stories we hear on the news, which is reasonable. I understand that. So Aquila described her daughter as highly sensible, shy, and wary of strangers. She said that Asha, Asha, and pardon me if I say that, that's how her name is actually spelled. That's how I wrote it down. It's A-S-H-A is how it's spelled, but it's Asha. So my apologies. Asha was terrified of dogs and storms and very content to stay within the limits that her parents had set for her. She was a very obedient child, just as our daughter is. Our daughter is like, just listens to the things that we say, not to to say that she's perfect because who the hell is nobody is of course but you know she was a good kid her mom said that she was the type of girl who wanted everyone to be happy and for everyone to be her friend just a, an adorable sweet little nine-year-old sounds child. like an awesome kid yes um valentine's weekend started with an extra day off school was closed on friday february 11th asia and o'brien spent the day at their aunt's house it looked like they had a very localized family so like grandma was here aunts were here cousins were there very close which you know is nice especially when you have your working parent you need that kind of support family nearby very Mm -hmm. very important so they spent the day since they were off of school at their aunt's house who just live really down the streets. And then later that afternoon, they both attended um, basketball practice. On Saturday, the 12th, Asia and her first had her first game of the season. She was a star point guard for the team. Um, and they lost that day by one point. Apparently, Asia had fouled out in the last like three minutes of the game. And she was very upset about it, obviously. She couldn't you know. help her team. Yeah, she mm-hmm. wanted to be you the leader like that she was. Let your team down. Yeah. After the game, she was copying her teammates as they cried and limped around the court, pretending to be injured. You know, nine-year-old girls. <laughs> Just, That's a shitty thing to do. I mean, nine-year-old girls sometimes can Wait, be a little... Wait, this is your like, top point scorer, and you're like making fun of her? Like, No, me, no. Like... They, it oh. was just a, a group of teammates that were crying, and then they were like limping oh. like they were injured. Yeah, yeah. okay. Actually, he, I can see our daughter he, doing Sometimes that. a little dramatic. Like, the other day, our daughter scooted to the door, and we're like, what are you doing? We haven't. She hadn't done that since she was like three or something. And she was mad at her brother, so it's like her <laughs> way of defying or something. And what did she say? Why did she say she wasn't walking? I don't feel like it or something. Yeah, something like, like that. So it's just like, whatever. Okay. So I could totally picture these nine-year-olds yeah, okay, this. I take it back. Then. Limping around the court, uh, you know, crying. So Aquila quickly put an end to this. She told Asia that, for one, you're not hurt. And for two, someone has to lose this game. Right. So kind of like, get it together, girl. Right. <laughs> Which is kind of how I parent, too. Um, they said she bounced back quickly. She stayed to watch her brother's game. She played with some of her friends that were there at the game. That night, Asia went to a slumber party at her 15-year-old cousin's house, and they stayed up late watching Soul Train and Showtime at the Apollo. 
Then we were leading into Sunday, February 13th. Um, does, that, d- does that ring a bell to you at all, Showtime at the Apollo? I, I've heard of it. I don't know what it is. For me, that always came on after Saturday Night Live, and I always remember the, uh, the intro song. It's Showtime at the Apollo tonight. That's beautiful, I, I just Mike. wanted to sing that. Thank you. Go and ahead. No, that does not ring a bell to me, so I don't know that I've ever seen it. So anyway, her parents swung by the cousin's house to pick her up. They went to church. Afterwards, they went to a cousin's, another cousin's house. And, you know, they had like a family gathering dinner, whatever. Aisha's grandma gave her perfume and candies to celebrate Valentine's Day, which would have been the next day. Oh, that's nice. Perfume. Yeah. That's like a nice idea. Very cute, right? Yep. Um, and it sounds like they were very family centered, often, you know, going to each other's houses. Well, being nearby and stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, I imagine they have a lot of get togethers and only makes you know, sense, right? Grill a lot and hang out. Yeah. So after that, they headed home at 630 that evening. Aisha ended up dozing off. She, you know, she had had her sleep over the night before she stayed up late. She was tired. And then she ended up getting woken up by a bad storm later on. And so she headed out to the living room to watch TV with her family Around bedtime, just before 9 p.m., a car crashed into a utility pole, which knocked out the power in the area. They were just about ready to get in the shower, get ready for bed, but the power outage, they said, never mind, we'll just shower in the morning. So they went to bed somewhere around 9 p.m. They were tucked in, you know, just totally typical evening. Um, So Aisha and O'Brien, they shared a bedroom. And at 11.30 p.m., Harold ran out to the store to buy some last-minute Valentine's Day things, candies, etc. Not only, of course, was it Valentine's Day, but it was also his anniversary the next day. Oh, right. Yeah, so he was just running out, grabbing some last-minute things. So then um, he came back, you know, shortly thereafter, he fell asleep on the couch. The power came back on at 12.30 in the morning, and Aquila woke Harold to ask him to move their kerosene lamp before heading back to bed. Harold watched TV till about 2.30 in the morning. He went to check on the kids, and he found them both asleep in their bed. He himself then headed to bed. Kerosene lamp. That's like yeah. 1900s. Yeah, I don't know why. Yeah. They had power, or I guess because they, no, they the, lit the lamp because the power was the out. The power went out, yeah. Yeah. But we need a kerosene lamp just in case. Just in case. Yeah, I'd like to walk around in like my, my long like pajamas with the hat on With the hat like screw. Scrooge. All right, kids, good night. Yeah. Of course, Scrooge just had a candle. Oh, that's true. Yeah. So we'll just let you have a, a candle. We Thank won't you. get that kerosene okay. lamp. Um, so the next morning, Aquila woke up typically 5.45 a.m. And then the kids would have their alarm set for 6.30. I think she was going to go and get them up before their alarm because they unexpectedly had to shower in the morning. Of course, that throws everything off. So she headed into their room and found O'Brien sleeping. But Aisha's bed was unmade and empty. And she did say that normally when she would get up, she would make her bed. She looked to the side of the bed. Occasionally, if Aisha got up in the night, she'd come back and like lay on the floor for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. She wasn't there either. Um, At this point in time, she's certainly not panicking. She thinks maybe her daughter got up, whatever. Yeah, you don't like in our house, like you went to a different room or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're not thinking like, well, although in your head a little bit, you're like, okay, this is starting to get. Yes, you do start to panic. Um, But at this point, it was early on. She wasn't just quite yet panicking. So she's looking all around the house. She's looking in closets. She even checked in their cars out front, but she was nowhere to be seen. She ran and woke up her husband and he suggested that maybe she had gone across the street to his mother's house. Mm. So Aquila called, talked to her sister-in-law. Aisha wasn't there. She said that this is officially when she went into panic mode. I put shoes on and ran outside. She ran up and down the street, screaming Aisha's name, walking or waking and alerting neighbors. You know, it's, it's a small neighborhood. Everyone could hear her. They quickly joined 
and started to help search. So at this point in time, Harold calls the police. I read actually the 911 transcripts. It was 6.39 a.m. And the police began their search very, very quickly. It was like literally less than like 10 minutes later. That's awesome. You know, small town. Police responded immediately. Mm -hmm. And by 6.45 a.m., the search was really on. Over the next few hours, dozens of officials and volunteers scoured the neighborhood and area. News reporters came. And by that evening, the story of missing Asia was plastered all over the TV. Within an hour and a half of the 911 call, canine units found absolutely no scent of Asia, but it had been a very stormy night. So, so yes, her scent mm-hmm. could have been washed out by the rain. The degree home was taped off at 2 p.m. and they found no sign of forced entry. Um, it was unclear which door she had left from the front or back door. They were found locked, so she would have left and locked the door behind her. Her hmm. backpack was missing. No window or anything in the room? No. Okay. Uh, well, I mean, there were windows, yeah, but, but not- she would. The, the windows were not open. Wow. You know, this is February in North Carolina. It's, it's chilly, probably. Yeah. Um, and she had a house key in her backpack. Okay. So being a responsible child, you know, she locked the door behind her. Right. The leaving part was the bad part, but... Yeah. You know, she did lock the door. So there was no forced entry. Her backpack was missing. Mm. There was no sign of foul play. By the end of the day, they had only found a mitten and it didn't belong to Asia. Um, No winter clothing had been taken from the house. I do not know what the temperature was at this time. The weather was not good. Um, Whatever Charlotte weather tends to be in February, I would imagine on the chilly side. Yeah. Asia was believed to be wearing a white shirt, white jeans, and white Nike shoes. She well, had no coat with her. Right now, it's like 50 in Florida, so I'd imagine it's you know, around 40 in North Carolina, 40, 40, 50. Yeah, I mean, something that it's cold, you need a jacket, sweatshirt, right. something. And she was not dressed for the weather because none of their winter clothing was was missing. Okay, then white, uh, what you have on? White. Uh, Basically all white. Okay. White shirt jeans and shoes she had no coat with her but an inventory of the items she was believed to have taken you know obviously her mom looked through the house and i would never know what was missing because my daughter has our daughter has a lot of t-shirts so i i wouldn't have a clue yeah um obvious items yes but well you think of her favorite things to wear and try to see if you can find those mm-hmm. and then yeah so a black tweety bird purse or pocketbook was missing the candy that she had been given during her basketball game her house key with her backpack clothing included a red vest with black trim blue jeans with a red stripe on each side a white nylon long sleeve shirt black and white long sleeve shirt black overalls with tweety bird on them clearly she was a fan of tweety bird yeah who isn't yep and possibly missing was the night white nightgown that she had worn to bed that night and her basketball uniform. So that afternoon, a 25-year-old trucker was eating lunch when he saw Aisha's story on the news. He quickly recognized her as a child he saw walking in the rain along Highway 18 at 3.30 that morning, wow. about a mile south of her home. He said, I seen a little girl walking down the road with her book bag. She had on a little dress and white tennis shoes, and her hair was in pigtails. I went back, but she never did look up at me. She looked like she knew where she was going. She was walking at a pretty good pace. Realizing it was a child, Jeff stopped and turned his 10-wheeler around, circling three times before he saw the girl run into the woods and out of sight. Hmm. Um, of course, she is leery of people. so Because her parents taught her to be. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, you know, sometimes kids are just well, shy. Yeah, stranger danger, by nature. that whole thing. I yeah. get it. 
And then at 4.15 a.m., trucker Roy B., a former deputy at the Cleveland County Sheriff's Office, was trucking northbound on Highway 18 with his son when he saw someone walking down the road. It was a small figure wearing light-colored clothing. I thought it was a woman. I couldn't tell it was a child. I thought maybe it was a domestic violence thing, and the woman left the house and was walking. Roy placed the sighting 1.3 miles south of Asia's home. Concerned that she could be hit by a vehicle, he sent a message over the CB radio for other truckers to be on the lookout. He didn't stop and carried on to Chicago, where he learned about Asia's disappearance from a phone call with his wife. Mm. The next day on his return, he and his son went straight to a command post to report their sighting, which thank goodness these two people saw her because otherwise they would have never known where she was if she was she taken from her home right did she go you know could be anything by her own volition right so this at least put her Instead out Instead of just one person you have two people like yes eyewitnesses there was a little girl and, and they both yeah. matched each other right that's good two completely separate people yeah. matched each other very important so these two sightings were believed legitimate and the sbi which is the state bureau of, of investigation and the fbi so they both like team together Never heard of an sbi Interesting. yeah i didn't either hmm. but Apparently, that's a thing. Okay. So they began to comb a five-mile radius around the intersection where these two sightings happened um, on Highway 18 and 180. An air search came up empty, and there was no signs of struggle or of or of a hit and run. So there was no signs that she had been hit by a car and then taken away. So surely you're going to get into why and all this stuff. I mean, yes, okay. I'm, I'm going to. Okay, that's, uh, um, yeah, I'm really curious. I, I, there's a lot of unanswered questions here. Yeah. Uh, driver checkpoints were also set up, obviously stopping people to see if they have a child in their car. Sure. Um, but I don't feel like any of that's going to, like, she was on a mission. I think she was going somewhere. Yes. And you'll you'll see that she was, like, planning this. Yeah. Interviews with Harold and Aquila quickly showed that they were not involved in this case. There okay. was no suspicion there. I always look at the first people. Yeah. Yep. They start from the inside out. Sure. Um, they were ex- exceptionally cooperative in doing anything to help locate their daughter. They themselves insisted on a polygraph test, which they passed. Right. You know, they wanted to immediately eliminate themselves. Now, from I'd being, still be kind of scared. You know, like even if you know that you're not like lying, it's of like, uh, is it looking like I'm lying? You know, well, and it's but, based yeah. on like your heart rate and whatnot. And, yeah. you know, you get nervous. It's yeah. kind of like the whole white coat syndrome in a doctor's office. Right. You can have perfectly normal blood pressure, go into a doctor's office and you could be diagnosed with high blood pressure. I have that. My blood pressure is usually about 10 mm-hmm. points higher in the doctor's office. So there would be a little bit of a fear. But, you know, they they know they're not involved in this. It, it'd be like us if our daughter walked out of here. It's like, <laughs> I know I'm not involved. <laughs> I'd be like, I know I'm not involved. I'm still not going to take a lie detector. I don't want to be like, oh, you are. I'm like, I'm not. I swear I'm not. I just want to find my daughter. Exactly. But they passed. Okay. On February 15th, a couple named Raleigh and Debbie Turner were asked to search their property. I guess they were kind of in the area of where she was seen. They lived a mile south of the degree home. They owned a rundown doorless outbuilding on their property that stood about 300 feet from the road that they used to support supply store supplies for their upholstery business. Easy outbuilding. for me to say. Hmm. Yeah, like just a shed. Of I was sorts. thinking of a place to take a crap, like an outhouse. No, not an outhouse. An outbuilding apparently <laughs> have other things. It was kind of like a shed a storage area so when the shed was checked they found a green marker a 1996 atlanta olympics pencil a yellow hair bow candy wrappers and a wallet-sized picture of a little girl a black little girl Hmm. 
So um, a nearby neighbor said that his normally barking dogs were quiet that morning. So she must have been very quiet and stealthy because his dogs didn't sense that anyone was there. And dogs freaking have hearing. I which mean, is incredible. Yeah, I don't know how that happened. Maybe yeah. the rain helped or something. It, you know, it could have been the white noise from the rain. It was dark. Yeah. Um. So the picture of the little girl appeared to be close in age to Asia, but nobody I was able to identify who this child was. Mm, just like a rubbed out photo kind of. Yes. Interesting. It was a, like a wallet-sized picture of a little girl. Okay. And I'll actually post it to our yeah, Instagram so that you could see it. But they yeah. never were able to identify who this child was. Okay. So a week later, the search was called off after spending 9,000 man hours searching a two to three mile radius that she had been seen in. Flyers had been posted all over the area, 300 leads ranging from possible sightings to tips of, an, of abandoned houses and wells that she could have gone to were explored, but came up with nothing. County Sheriff Dan Crawford said, we have never really had the first good substantial lead. He urged the media to keep the story alive. Um, at a news conference on February 22nd, Sheriff Crawford said he was going the long range with the search for Asia. Both the FBI and the State Bureau of Investigation got involved in the respective databases of missing children, and he insisted that they were following any lead of any kind, big, small, insignificant, whatever. Yeah. They're going to take it and go. Any way to get a little peace. Yes. Yeah. So noting what Aquila had found missing from the house and what Aisha had taken with her, investigators believe that she had planned and prepared for the this in the days before her disappearance. Smart girl. Yeah, the downside of having a kid that's quick as a whip. <laughs> yep. And I mean, her parents were completely unaware of anything being amiss. Usually there's some kind of... Yeah, it's interesting. Wow. I'm, she, I'm really curious to hear the rest of this. And, you know, I hope I'm able to you know, fulfill what you're expecting. Um, you know, we'll see. Yeah. She is not your typical runaway being younger than what is, you know, expected, which age 12 is on the low end. She's nine. Yeah. So this is not normal. There were no family issues noted, no problems at school that could have prompted her to run away. Nothing glaring about abuse or anything like that. Obviously, you know, our children could get pissed off at us because of something we said or did. You know, sometimes we upset our, our children. Of course. Of course, no household is perfect. And it, I'm it, sure you're actually doing it wrong if you're not upsetting your child once in a while. Absolutely. As parents, we're going to upset our children because they need to be corrected and yeah. shown the right way to there's, do things. Yeah. And we, then there's rules in the house. And if you don't follow them, there's consequences. Mm hmm. So on March 14th, exactly one month after Asia went missing, her case was featured on the Montel Williams show. A month later, she was featured on America's Most Wanted, though the family was not interviewed during this presentation. Weird. Oprah even showed Aisha's picture and information from the National Center of Missing and Exploited Children. In August of August 3rd of 2001, Aisha's book bags and belongings ended up being found. Oh. It was during con a construction project off of Highway 18 in Burke County. So it was like the county above where she lived, which is Cleveland County. So pretty far. It was 26 miles north of Shelby in a different direction from where she was even seen walking. Mm. It was found double wrapped in black plastic trash bags and appeared to have been buried at a location for some time at this location for some time. Mm. The construction worker who found it said that the backpack contained Aisha's name and phone number. The FBI took the bag. So when he found it, he didn't know her, her case or her story. Sure. I think he ended up coming home and saying something to his wife about it. And she recognized Aisha's name. Like it'd be like me. Cause I don't really watch the news or keep up with Twitter or whatever, you know, some missing yeah. children. It's all very sad. I, you know, if oh, it's terrible, if it's hyper local, 
I'm going to you know, be looking for the kid, obviously, mm-hmm. but there's not a lot I can do if it's something in like Kentucky or something, you know, um, unless right. I'm traveling there. And I'm sure when you're, you know, working on construction, you're unearthing all sorts of roadside drunk, you know, uh, junk people obviously sadly throw things out of their car. Yeah. There's an area where I pass um, on my way to work. It's like a kind of a back road that there's probably about 40 trash black trash bags piled up on the side of the road. I'm like, what? is this <laughs> one one or two people start doing it and then all of a sudden all these hillbillies just start throwing their trash like, over who, there. <laughs> who takes a garbage bag and puts it on the side of the road oh well, you know what we have one you can bring it next time yeah so you know it's it's amazing that he even like noted it and saved it i guess because like i said you probably come up with a lot of junk when you're working on the construction well it's probably notable because it was double wrapped and probably in decent condition it's like this is something somebody's trying to hide yeah maybe so um he ended up contacting the police and the fbi took the bag and to examine it and found further forensic analysis but the results have not been shared publicly Mm. though it was said to have included a pencil case a sheet of paper and unspecified clothing. To date, it's the last evidence that's been found in the case. Wow. That was 2001? Yeah, August of 2001. So where the backpack was located, obviously, is now a point of interest. So a three-mile-long slash 400-foot-wide area where the book bag was found was secured, but only animal bones and a pair of men's khaki pants were found. They don't think or know that these khaki pants had anything to do with... Asia or her backpack or whatever. Any like notes that she left behind or anything like a, a web search history? And it was kind of early on. No, so. they didn't have a computer. Right, right. No. I mean, I was thinking 2000, you know, internet wasn't really a huge thing. No, it wasn't. So, so no, there was no note left behind, nothing. So not until 2020, which was the 20th anniversary of Asia's disappearance, did the FBI confirm a couple of things that the book bag actually contained before that they kept it under wraps. Okay. So it contained a copy of Dr. Seuss, McElliott's pool, which I had never heard of that book, mm. McElliott's pool and a new kids on the block t-shirt that kind of looked like a night shirt. Oh, wow. And yeah. KOTB baby. I guess that's when they were making their comeback. Yeah, Second I guess. comeback or third or fourth. Who knows? Yeah. So the t-shirt did not belong to Asia, but the book was from her school's library. Ah. So who the hell's t-shirt is this? Um, has to be a friend that she was trying to meet or somebody. I mean, New Kids on the Block, it's probably somebody. I mean, we have a lot of friends that are, you know, 40s, in their 40s right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, our area, we're 42, 3? We're 42, Mike. 42. They're 43 this year. And um, <laughs> thank you for confirming that, by the way. Yeah, well, you do kind of lose track of your age. Yeah. And I remember like liking the New Kids on the Block even being a male i'm i'm totally fine with admitting that but they were poppy and fun yeah so like when we were in like middle school so anybody who has nkotb is either like younger when they were making their comeback or you know somebody who's 40 or which usually a female too like so uh, uh, maybe you would think yeah Uh, i don't know but you know the problem is which i'm not quite sure why they didn't release the picture sooner of what was in the bag because then somebody could have said well that's my daughter's nightshirt or whatever the it was it looked like a nightshirt to me yeah oh okay so big big shirt yeah it looked longer okay but um it wasn't released until 20 years later and that was the only thing that wasn't hers was new kids on the block shirt the new kids on the block did not belong to her and also the 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 school book but that was probably hers yes i'm assuming she signed that out from her school okay so um 
The degrees have kept Aisha's memory in the case alive in the public's mind. In 2008, they started a scholarship program in Aisha's name. They host an annual walk to raise awareness and money to fund the search. The walk begins at their house and ends at the missing persons billboard um, of Aisha along Highway 18 near where she was last seen. Originally, they would hold this walk on February 14th, but they changed it in 2015 to February 7th. And then in 2016, they changed it to February 6th. Why? They didn't want to make Valentine's Day a oh, somber occasion. Right. Okay. That so, makes sense. That's they, a yeah. Good idea. Um, pictures of Asia and also pictures created by investigators of what, you know, age progress photos, which I will also post or post on to our Instagram. They did a picture of what she would look like around age 30. Yeah, we're absolutely posting that. Yeah. Um, you know, very pretty girl, but during an interview in 2013 with Jet, Aquila Degree said that she felt that Aisha's case didn't get as much media attention over the years as cases of other missing children because her daughter was black. And obviously, the Ga- the Gabby Petito case brought up a lot of this, yeah. which is glaring because um, Aisha's case was kept mostly localized, whereas every single freaking person, not only in this country, but other countries can know what Gabby Petito's name is. Yeah. Why was her case so broadcast versus a black child that might be missing? Yeah, we can talk about that for a long time. And it's something that I, as a white person, didn't notice until it was brought up. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. (laughs) It's all these, like, cute little white kids. You don't see any cute little black kids that are, like, you know, or Mexican kids or, yeah, whatever. Whatever Whatever, race they are. People of color. But, um... They, you know, the Gabby Petito case, obviously, it was interesting because this boyfriend just like came home without her. I mean, it was like very unique. So is that why? I don't know. But regardless, it's not fair. So she, you know, felt that the the um, case wasn't presented as much nationally as it was kept locally. Right, right. So, you know, and I can, you know, really sympathize with her because that's exceptionally frustrating. I agree. Yeah. We're, I mean, you know, we're slowly but surely going in the right direction. But, um, you know, it's happening very slowly. So she said, missing white children get more attention. I don't understand why. If you ask them, they will say that it's not racial. Oh, really? I'm going to argue because I have common sense. And like I said, she her biggest complaint was that it was kept local. In February of 2015, the FBI announced that they were reinvestigating the case and re-interviewing witnesses. They also announced a reward of up to $25,000 for information information leading to the arrest and conviction of a person or persons responsible for Aisha's disappearance. What do they think? Like, do they think there's foul play involved here? Like, it's, it's what the big thing... I mean, there might be foul play if somebody randomly found her, which is rare you know you're not gonna like randomly see usually a lot of these things are targeted like somebody goes out to try to find a kid and you know maybe they broke into her house and they want just saw a kid you know that i could see that maybe but it's it's hard for me to believe that she was walking somewhere that she wanted to go and somebody randomly took her and did something bad well maybe she was meeting somebody that trust you know gained her trust somehow manipulated yeah i could see that so maybe let's leave this conversation to the end because i might i might talk about things i'm worried that you're like not giving me any more information no no we'll talk a little bit more but there's a lot of unanswered questions okay good and then it said that a community group was also offering an additional twenty thousand dollars so i guess then it would equate to about forty five thousand dollar reward at this point point. And um, May of 2016, 15 months later, the FBI, 
FBI announced that they had found a possible new lead. They said that Asia may have been seen getting into a dark green early 1970s Lincoln Continental Mark IV or possibly a Ford Thunderbird. They looked very, very similar when you see these two cars. Um, from the same era area along Route 18 where she was last seen that night. It was described as having... So yes. they think they might... How the hell how, is that possible? Uh, maybe a couple people came forward and gave this information. Wow. And I'm sorry, where was this located? Um, along the area where she was last seen. Oh my God. Okay. So you would think it would have had to have come from more than one source because anyone can say anything. Yeah. But it's not going to necessarily be reliable, especially at this point. It's 2016. This is 16 years later. Right, right. She looks completely different. Yeah. No, it's it's not that it was like back in, back then. They said, oh, I think I saw a little girl oh. that fit her description getting into what one the of these fu- two took cars. took you so long to come and say that? I, I don't know. Maybe they didn't hear about the case. I don't okay. know. In 2016, they said back in 2000, I remember yes. seeing a girl get into a car. They okay. had seen Sorry. Asia get into a dark green early 70s Lincoln Continental Mark Four, you four. Said. yes. It's the whole Roman The VI? Then it's six. It, no, it's four. Uh, IV. Yes. Okay. Or possibly a Ford Thunderbird. Like I said, they looked around the same. Because the Mark 8 was kind of a big deal. It then. wasn't. A, it was a four. Okay. It was described as having rust around its wheel wells. So very specific. Yeah. Yeah. So they remembered a lot of details. And like the fact that they would have seen rust around its wheel wells because it was dark when she was seen along this route. Yeah. Sometime between 3.30 and 4.15 in the morning. Pitch Sheesh. black outside. So how this information came to be 16 years later, I don't know. Okay. Well, she got in this car and she's no longer in the area. May have been in the, got seen getting in the car. Okay. September of 2017, the following year, the FBI announced that its child abduction rapid deployment team was assisting in finding out more about what happened to Asia. Since this time, they have conducted about 300 interviews. October of 2018, the Cleveland County Sheriff's Office detectives appealed for more information from the public about the two items of interest found in her book bag, the Dr. Seuss book and the NKOTB shirt, um, because they feel that these are vital clues. I may ask, why 18 years later is this being presented as vital clues? I can't see why the Dr. Seuss is a clue at all. The NKOTB shirt, 100%, absolutely. Yeah, because the little girl just probably got the book from her library. Yeah, and then they you, you mentioned uh, DNA evidence that was being withheld also. So I'm curious to see what kind of DNA evidence is in there. Like I don't know. I mean, Forensic I, evidence. I get if they can like have some information they don't want to say, you know, because the person's going to be like, oh, shit, they have, you know, whatever, my hair or whatever. I get that piece, but it's almost like they're holding it up for no reason. Well, I just don't understand why the shirt was kept under wraps. Yeah, that could have helped quite a bit. So, um, and maybe then, well, they probably think that's the suspect, and if they know we have your T-shirt, then they they're going to scramble and go to another country. Maybe, maybe so. I don't know. It was a child size shirt. Oh, okay. <laughs> In November of 2020, an inmate named Marcus Mellon, who was convicted of sex crimes against children in 2014, wrote a letter to the Shelby Star claiming that Asia was murdered and he knows where to find her. In February of 2021. But you also always have these assholes to just say of stuff. Of course. But they are exploring every lead they're getting. Sure, of course. You'd be crazy not to. Yep. It was announced that this led to another dead end. Cleveland County Sheriff Alan Norman said, you take all the information received extremely serious. 
We run it to the very end, regardless of who provided that information. Aisha's mom, Iquila, told North Carolina's WT, WBTV, this is worse than death because at least with death, you have closure. You can go to a grave site. You can have an urn at home. But for us, we can't mourn. We can't give up. The only thing we got is hope. Cleveland County Detective Tim Adams still believes that there is someone out there who may have information that will help Asia. The fact is, a small child that left on Valentine's Day really caught everybody's heart in the community. She's been called Shelby's sweetheart because she's a child that's one of our own. Mm -hmm. So why would Asia run away? Asia's disappearance was very unique, like I said. In 1999, children aged 13 and under made up an estimated 18% of runaways, and the majority who did leave would come back shortly after their disappearance. How many? What age? She was she no, was nine. The stat you just read. 18% under age thir- 13 and under, I should say. Okay. Huh. Were, well, the rest were over? Yes. Huh. Yes. That's older weird. teens. I would think it'd be more, like under. Mm-mm. Okay. Interesting. No, because children who are younger are less. Are staying home. Yeah, they're okay. staying home. That makes sense. So, um, she came from a stable, loving family. Her parents were happily married. She did well in school. No one close to Asia had ever noted any signs of abuse, and she never confided in anyone about issues at home mm-hmm. ever. No family member said she ever complained that mom was doing this, dad was doing that. So one theory is that Aisha was catfished by an adult predator that posed as a child that was seen in the photo found. It's that photo, like who is this little girl and why does she have her photo? Yeah. But the other thing is she didn't have a computer. Right. And what her access was to computers at school, I'm not sure, but I don't think it was very much. Maybe an Apple IIe. Like when back in those days, we used to have Apple IIe's and those were very text-based. Like it wasn't it wasn't a very advanced computer. Yeah. So how she would have had access to speaking with somebody to the, from the outside, you know. I mean, pen pals, basically. Writing letters is the best I can understand it. Which is possible because how did she get this picture? Yeah. Mail. You yeah, think. exactly. You would but think. then her parents would get the mail. Like, but I, it, may I mean, maybe she was checking the mail. She right. got home from school first. Smart kid knows how things work. Who knows? Yeah. Um. So then the other thing. So it was thought that she was lured away by a trusted adult. So somebody that she actually knew, under the pretense of making her parents a gift for Valentine's Day and their anniversary. Like, hey, let's go do something for your parents. At Three a.m. Though, interesting. Well, that would have been like, hey, leave now, so your parents don't know you're gone. Yeah. You know, I don't see her doing that. I mean, I don't know her, obviously, but a, a kid, her, I, she's, I know she's nine, but she's probably wise beyond her years. And but she is a child. Yeah, that's true. Um, Harold said that Asia was never big on Valentine's Day and didn't even seem excited about the holiday or mention it. So that doesn't make sense. You know, obviously, kids are excited about the candy aspect of things. Sure, who's not? But it wouldn't have made sense that she's like, oh yeah, let's go out for. I got to make my parents a, a gift at yeah, two in he's the morning. Like, no, yeah. she's not even into it. See, smart guy. Um, Aisha's parents wondered if she was influenced by a book that she read in class the week before that she disappeared called The Whipping Boy. The story was about a young boy whose only purpose was to take whippings for a young prince until the two came up with a plan to run away from the kingdom at night. Mm -hmm. During their adventure, they met new characters along the way, but returned safely to the kingdom in the end. So, I mean, it is kind of unique that she was reading a book about a runaway just the week before her disappearance. Wow. Okay. Um, it, the other thought is that she was still upset about her basketball game loss. Her parents don't believe this to be true because she was very happy at her sleepover. Um, she did say, Aquila did say though, that she did continue to talk about the loss throughout Saturday night and Sunday. So that was like two nights before? 
It was just... Uh, the night before. Yeah, basically the night before. Okay, got it. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Okay. When Aisha's brother and friends were interviewed, they mentioned that she had shown them a few dollars in her wallet on February 10th. It's unknown where the uh, money came from or if she still had it when she disappeared. So, you know, a child doesn't know the reality of the real world. Maybe she had $3 in her wallet and was like, oh, I'm going to go on a, an adventure. <laughs> right, right. Who knows? Turn these $3 into gold and whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, and I did forget to mention earlier in the this, in this story, I got sidetracked, that the bro- her brother O'Brien had heard like her bed squeaking and moving, and he did hear her get up during the night. And then I guess sources varied on whether or not she he ever heard her coming back to bed. But that was obviously around the time that she would have left the house. For my own personal satisfaction, can you spell O'Brien? It's literally what o it sounds apostrophe? like. It's O apostrophe Bryant. B-R-Y-A-N-T? Yes. I, I was just wondering in my head the whole time. So, yeah. Um, okay. So he heard her getting up. He heard some squeaking. Yeah. He thinks. Yeah. That was, you know, obviously when she probably would have gotten out of bed yeah. and left. Okay. Um, local sex offenders had been interviewed as well as anyone who may have been con- in contact with her. An online predator was also explored. Yet again, the degrees did not have a home computer. An online predator at that time. That's unique. That's like somebody that's like really into computers, you know, and they just didn't have access to computers. So what access she would have had, I don't know. Um, The FBI created a psychological profile of Aisha's potential abductor, though they never released this information to the public. In the summer of 2000, um, obviously that's the year she was missing, a former classmate of Aquila's, a 32-year-old Baron Ramsey, confessed to being involved in Aisha's disappearance. He said he was driving home with another man from a drug deal when he hit and killed Aisha with his car. He said he put her body in the bed of his truck and dumped her body while on a fishing trip at Moss Lake a few days later. Authorities dragged the lake twice and searched Highway 18 for any signs of a hit and run, but found nothing. I don't know what kind of signs, obviously blood, you'd be looking for in a hit and run. But what if there wasn't a lot of blood? Right. Yeah, I mean, you'd look for her body or something. Yeah, but closed. the person could have just taken her body. Right. You know? Did he? I mean... Well, they never found signs to corroborate that this was true. Yeah. So this is... Who was this person? Somebody that- <laughs> it was a cl- former classmate of Aisha's mother. Oh. It turns out they think he made this story up to get a better deal in a bank robbery case. Oh, my gosh. Like, who does that? Right. But, I mean... I mean, I feel like a hit and run is possible. So in 2020, Aquila stated that she believes that her daughter is still alive. It's my prayer every night that God will get into this person's heart, whoever had anything to do with whatever happened to Aisha, Mm -hmm. and let them come forward because it's got to be a weight on them. We're hoping and we're praying that that she had a halfway decent life, even though we didn't get to raise her. She was nine years old and she'll be 30 this year. Of course, she said she said this in 2020. So she'll actually be 32 this year. Okay. So we missed everything, but I don't care. If she walked in the door right now, I wouldn't care what I missed. All I want is to see her. Just throw the past away and be like, all right, we've got the now. Yeah, the present. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I feel like it just feels like she's alive somewhere to me, too. I mean... Uh, See, I, I sadly, I don't feel she's alive. You've done a lot more research. Well, obviously. it's... I, I What I know is what I just told you. Yeah. But they found her backpack double wrapped in black pa- plastic garbage bags. So she could have brought two black garbage bags and purposely 
like dug a hole or whoever she was with is like, let's bury it so they don't know that we're gone or whatever. We don't have black plastic garbage bags in our home. No, so she didn't so get them here. Maybe, we know she didn't know, get them here. That's the thing. I would say like <laughs> she didn't get them from our house. Right. Where would she have gotten the black plastic garbage whatever bags? Whatever friend she was meeting up with maybe had them and they put... Yeah, you know, I don't but know. But there's not another missing nine-year-old in the area. Right. Somebody. So she left by herself on her own, you know, Why would somebody regard. try to preserve it, though? So they want, so they can get a clue? If you were driving along a dark and rainy highway and hit a little girl, one might panic and try to eliminate any evidence that they did this. Yeah, I'd like burn her backpack. I wouldn't like wrap it and then put it in underground. I don't know. Uh, you wouldn't think a person would do that or they'd take it somewhere and put it in a landfill. It seems purpose purposeful to that me. they put it there yeah to bury it and yeah all that stuff it's it's extremely mysterious yeah. i mean i i can't imagine that she's actually still alive right i can't yeah sadly yeah. and i hate to say that and i'm so sorry for the parents right but how at age 32 did she leave and just never come back right huh i don't know but yeah i, I so basically, for any information, please call the Cleveland County Sheriff's Office at 704-84... I'm sorry. I have dyslexia, apparently. 484-4788. One more time all the way through. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. And we'll post it, too, on our, our page. Um, Cleveland County Sheriff's Office at 704-484-4788 or Crime Stoppers at 704-481-TIPS, which is 8477 Okay. So we'll we'll post that information too. Yeah. I'm definitely going to look a little further into this. I mean, it, you know, me looking into it means nothing, but it's just... Uh, I hmm. mean, they don't know. There's no signs of her. The backpack is the only thing they ever found. There's more to the story somewhere. It's just well, of course of there is. That. And like... No, I, I to her story, yeah, but I mean, the, the family something something's in the family and not nothing bad necessarily maybe it is maybe it isn't it could be nothing though it could be that she was just upset about her basketball game and said i'm gonna go on an adventure because she's reading this whipping boy yeah and just packed up her stuff and i don't know what she was thinking but she left the house on her own accord i'm thinking back to 2000 america online was available at this time um you know this is us to put in timeline wise like we're in college right yeah we were in college in 2000 we were juniors in college i was downloading uh music from Kazaa and LimeWire and Napster and all that stuff. You know, so the the internet was available. So it was available, but she, she did not have a computer. It. Right. And maybe... Library? She went to the library? Um, uh, well, no, that was that her school library okay. that her book was signed out from. I would really look into seeing how much online access she had I'm access to. positive they did that. Friends, like, I know, obviously, they, they looked into everything, I'm sure, but I'd be curious to see what her online access was somewhere. You know, like, if you had a friend, the first friend to get online, like, do you, did you ever have that, or was it you that had the first, like, America Online account? I didn't. I mean, I signed on to AOL, and I talked to strangers. Well, my friend had probably which came out a little before America Online. And I remember going to his house like, oh, this is so cool. We can talk to people. And yeah. you had your email address and, you know, some random person. You could just email this person. They get a letter like the same day. And like, yeah. That was in like 1996. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, imagine being a kid and, you know, uh, somebody in her life maybe had access somewhere in a rural area. I get it. But I, w- I would look in the internet rabbit hole and see something. But you clearly know. they did this. Right. And, you know, her mom said, like, somebody knows something. A nine-year-old doesn't vanish into thin air. It feels like a catfish thing, for sure. Like, yeah. And then who is this picture of the little girl? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, maybe this person was just like, we're going to get married and we don't need to tell anybody anything. No, you know? I don't I don't think so. I think it was yeah. more of like, this could be your... Fr- something about that little girl in the picture. Mm-hmm. Like, this, could, this is 
I bet you it was a person posing to be this little girl. Mm. That's I'm, I guarantee it. Well, I'm interested to see that picture. I, I'm, I'll post it on the YouTube video and all that but stuff. But they obviously. never mention how she got the picture, who this girl was, nothing. Yeah, come over to um, Instagram and Twitter and take a look and uh, see if you recognize anything and, you know, I, I, yeah. Be part of this community. And the picture that I have of the little girl, it's just a black and white picture because it's from a source that got it from like a microfiche something or other. Of course, but also pictures of Aisha and her progression. Her progression at age 30, what she would look like potentially. Interesting. Yeah. So it's just so sad. And it's true what the parents say. Like you don't get that closure. Like nobody wants to get that phone call that they found the remains and that their child is confirmed dead because they do still have hope. But that's also torturous. Yeah. That they still don't know if their daughter's out there. They don't have the answer one way or another. And everyone likes closure, whether it's in a relationship or in a life. It's like that closure is what helps you move forward. They can't move on because they still are holding out hope that their daughter will still someday walk through the door. But is it still nice to have that possibility that she might still be alive? Yeah. I, I, I could, I would guess that people that know their daughters and sons are dead would rather have a hope of knowing that i don't know i think people just want closure yeah it sounds like her mom definitely wants that it's terrible it's torturous i mean and they may never they may never get it nobody should say this is worse or better or whatever that's i don't know but i mean either way it's a bad i can't say but it sucks right so that's the story of the disappearance of asia degree well thanks for covering it thanks to kelly for that uh, suggestion yes and thank you for being here and we will see you next week for another episode and it will be mike's turn to present yeah i can't wait you're gonna yell at me all week to do my research i'm gonna say mike it's wednesday (laughs) what are you doing what are you doing all right (laughs) all right cheers Bye. bye